All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, before we start this episode of the Loudwire podcast, obviously there's a huge tragedy to to speak about. Uh, Chris Cornell passing away, uh, a, a true legend, a real hero to so many people, a definitive voice of the grunge or alternative rock movement, even all the way up until today, up until last night when he played an amazing show in Detroit. Uh, we're heartbroken over this. We, yeah, I got on the train this morning and I just went on Facebook and then I just saw 10 posts in a row about Chris Cornell's death. And I just, I, it's so weird when something like that happens, when it just comes completely unexpected. Like when Lemmy died, it was something else that was just this larger than life thing that had just happened. Yeah. But, you know, he was 70. He did, lived a hard life. It wasn't that much of a stretch to believe that somebody that huge was lost. But with Chris Cornell, I mean. He was only 52. Yeah. And they have all these festival performances booked. There is promise of a new album and then reissues of the old stuff. Who knows if there's going to be anything going on with tours for those albums. And just a hard thing to process right now. Yeah, obviously this is very sad, um, and we want to send our our deepest condolences to his loved ones, uh, his wife and kids, uh, his bandmates. Yeah, absolutely. His bandmates, on the crew, management, everyone who label. loved him, fans, everyone who loved Chris Cornell. There are millions of people who were touched by his music and his phenomenal voice, and it's a absolutely devastating to lose someone of his talent and his magnitude uh, just as a complete force. I remember so distinctly seeing Soundgarden on MTV for the first time when I was just a little kid. I heard, I saw Black Hole Sun mm. and it was, uh, I, I just remember watching it and having no idea really what it was, but just knowing that this was something phenomenal. It's just so creepy and the video is so weird and Chris's voice was so spectacular. And it was just unlike anything I had heard and not just because I was young and you know wasn't all that well versed in the world of music, but because it was so unique. Yeah, and that comes back to, we've brought this point up a couple times before in the podcast, what Zach Wilde said, it's not who's the best, it's who moves you. Mm. And... I don't understand how anybody could hear Chris Cornell's voice and fail to be moved by it. Yeah, he evoked such emotion from his listeners. And today, you know, when he, when I hear him sing to the sky on Searching With My Good Eye Closed, that's one of the best high notes that I think has ever been put to tape. Just soulful, powerful, just absolutely just amazing. So he's left behind a legacy that will be touched by very, very few people. Chris, thank you so much for all the music you gave us. Soundgarden, uh, Audio Slave, Temple of the Dog, his solo, solo stuff. Career. Absolutely. Just phenomenal. The he whole just way wrote through. that song for the film score. Yeah, he, he did it beautifully until the very end. Uh, you know, we can all hope to live our dreams and, and to be as prolific and to be as just consistently phenomenal as he was. So, you know, with that spirit, 
uh, the show must go on. So here's another episode of the Loudwire podcast. Uh, if you're having a rough day, which I'm sure a lot of you are, hopefully uh, we can help take your mind off it, maybe bring a smile to your face. Uh, again, you know, rest in peace, Chris. Legend, absolute legend. Every sense of the word. Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of the Loudwire Podcast. My name's Graham. And I'm Joe. And today, our guest is... Wait, we don't... Uh Uh-oh, Graham, we don't have a guest. We forgot to book a guest? Oh no. Well, in that case, we should just talk about the new Lincoln Park. You think so? We should. Alright, let's do it. Because... The dear... (laughs) The new Lincoln Park album. A full-on almost bubblegummy pop, pop album. synthy album that's it's been getting straight a straight up top 40 pop yeah it's been getting so much backlash from people uh the album we should say is called one more light it's coming out tomorrow may 19th and the rock fans i mean forget about suicide silence yeah, this there's nobody so... happier on the planet than those guys right now. <laughs> this I haven't is heard so a peep fun. about Suicide Silence since Linkin Park dropped heavy. Yeah, this is so far beyond the Suicide Silence thing because Suicide Silence, they still played their down-tuned guitars. They still play guitar at <laughs> all. That's very important. They you know, still they... play the guitar. Imagine that. They still have their drummer. You know, they still do their... Really, the only difference is... They kind of got Deftonesy, and then they had some clean vocals. Yeah, they added some stuff, but they didn't really take take a tremendous amount away. Yeah, but this is a a serious flip that I don't. I mean, Lincoln Park have gotten to be poppy recently with their last albums. They've always been kind of poppy. They've always skirted that line between metal and rock and hip-hop and pop and they've always been sort of an amalgamation anybody with the diamond album is gonna have some sort of pop sensibilities you don't sell 10 million records to people without being you know a little bit catchy and on radio right but this is full-on pop it's lincoln pop (laughs) i couldn't tell the difference between this and a demi lovato song who's demi lovato you don't want to know so I guess let's just get into this thing, man. What What's going on here? It seems like Linkin Park kind of made the mistake of trying to become bigger than the rock genre That's exactly itself. what this is. That's exactly what this is because a lot of people are seeing this either as a progression of their sound, which to me doesn't quite make sense, but hey, everyone can change in a drastic way. That's all right. Or... It's a full-on stab into the heart through the back of the rock world in its entirety. Because let's be honest, rock is not the zeitgeist anymore. You never hear new rock bands on the radio. MTV doesn't play rock anymore. There's no reason to be in a rock band in 2017 unless you just love playing rock music. And I think to Gene Simmons' credit, I mean, this is really what he was talking about when he states that rock is dead. Right. Is because pop and hip hop have taken over the radio where the rock space, where rock used to exist. It's now just completely dominated that space that they used to share. 
yeah, he's not wrong in, in that context, for sure. But, you know, to see a rock band completely shift, not just into a pop sound, but into the exact pop sound that defines top 40 radio today is suspect. Yeah, it's they're not bringing anything new to that field. They're no, just that's falling the problem. in line with what everybody else is doing. That's the problem. So in the rock world, is this a totally turn everything on its head moment? Yes. Yeah. In the pop world, this is another song. That, right. No, that's going to be forgotten about two years from now as more top 40 hits come along. You know, probably, you know, it's it's not going to be forgotten about that might have been. The no, wrong, but it's the not going to be the next, that, you know, Beyonce's Lemonade or Adele, you know, her, you know, 25, I think the record's called. But but that's the thing is there's nothing inherently wrong with making pop music. I have nothing against pop music as a whole. I think most of it sucks. I'm not a fan of the new Linkin Park, but Adele is phenomenal. That Ellie That's, Goulding song, Burn, I thought was great. Yeah, you know. There is some stuff out there. Lady Gaga's a badass, I think. I think she's For cool. Sure. There's a lot of stuff out there in the pop realm that's amazing and changes people's lives and has depth and is important. And a lot of that, too, is because there's an art to writing a hit song. Well, that's that's where the formulaic thing kind of goes exactly. in. You know, uh, Lady Gaga, I don't know if she exactly follows that formula Adele certainly doesn't follow that formula but Linkin Park have followed the pop formula of today and one thing we were talking about earlier is that back when Linkin Park broke in the early 2000s they were really the zeitgeist of that period of time because they perfectly represented the sort of teen angst that had been popularized from the early 90s with you know bands like Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, the grunge scene. If we're talking about angst, we should definitely get a mention of Phil and Samo in there. Well, sure, yeah, Pantera, you know, (laughs) they were definitely the metal zeitgeist, but in terms Mm -hmm. of the mainstream zeitgeist, it was these bands. And then when it came to the rap rock era, the new metal era, not that many bands were able to do it and actually stick around because it was all so corny. It was all terrible. But then Linkin Park come out with Hybrid Theory and they have this crazy mixture. It's just this perfect storm of and everything that was going on at the turn of the millennium. spoke to the kids so much that it sold, what, 16 million copies? There's, we just posted a list of the best-selling hard rock and metal albums of all time. There's only 20 that have a diamond status, meaning yeah. they've sold over at least 10 million copies. I believe Linkin Park have one of those albums. I believe Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory may be the highest-selling album released in the 21st century. I think that might yeah. be the case. Wikipedia is showing 11, just over 11 million. 11. Okay. Well, it's a diamond album, which is insane and a debut nonetheless and they perfectly encapsulated the teen angst of the time and this is kind of what worries me because the teen angst back then was about disenfranchisement it was about not feeling comfortable in your surroundings feeling like you needed to break out of your mold 
it was very anti-authoritarian, you know, and it's not like Linkin Park were ever lyrical geniuses on the level of a dead, you know, a Jello Biafra or someone who was speaking in a more political sense, but they still spoke to the kids. And they resonated the thing with is, the kids. Yeah. And the thing is right now, the teen angst zeitgeist isn't as deep as it once was, I don't think. There's not an anger to it. It's more just, oh, you hurt my feelings and my heart aches. It's sort of like emo meets the bubblegum pop stuff. Like, you've hurt my feelings because you posted something mean on social media. Yeah, it's a lot of complaining, none of this, you know, beat your chest, rise above attitude. There's yeah. No, it's a lot. There you a go. Lot more, there used to be a lot more middle fingers, and now there's a lot more tissues, it seems. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. And Linkin Park, you know, maybe they're trying to tap into that mindset of today's youth but as what 30 40 year old guys what kind of experience into today's youth do you really have you know maybe you have kids or something but you don't write a song like you're a whiny little child mm. like the song heavy i mean oh yeah. Holding on, why do my feel, my head just doesn't feel right? And again, Lincoln it's just, Park... It's were, really bottom feeder face value. It's just not... See, I. this is what's so hard to swallow with Lincoln Park, is because if you go pop and you retain some depth, you really speak lyrically in a perspective that most people don't quite have. You're speaking in a unique way to people. That is so respectable. If you have a unique outlook on something, regardless of what genre you tackle that that view in, that's okay to me. This one, I just don't know what they're offering that has real depth to it. I failed to, but to see, grasp I, I it. I think that's the aim, though, because pop isn't supposed to go deep like that. The re, the uh, I would disagree. I, I mean, pop generally doesn't. But if you look at the biggest pop stars of all time, they spoke in a way that at least connected with people on a deep level. And if you analyze their lyrics, there's something to it, you know, sure. like Lemonade. For, for instance, you know, it actually has deeper meaning. If you write a really good heartbreak song, a song that just yeah, tears your chest the board, out. Everything is stupid. Yeah, yeah. But, but, if, but if you hit that depth with people, like Adele, Adele, perfect for today. Hmm. If you hit that heartbreaking depth that just crushes you inside, that's a huge achievement. It's the best achievement that you can ever uh, hope to get just to emotionally move somebody with your words exactly but this i i just don't see it having that same lyrical power now chester bennington has been saying in interviews that this was a natural progression for lincoln park and some people have been questioning really the the legitimacy of that statement i i don't really want to say i don't think it's natural for 
two guys who play guitar to not pick well, up that's a guitar. The, it's it's absolutely this this is what we were talking about. How is it that as a rock band, which Linkin Park has always been a guitar driven band, you know, you also have, you know, your fricka fricka stuff and but Johan's gonna be busier than ever on this one. Yeah. But when you start writing new music as a rock band, since when do you not go to your guitar? When do you not pick up a bass or, or sit by the piano to write something, to have a chord progression going? Well, the thing that they said they were doing with this one was flipping the writing process. Instead of starting with the music, and as always, the vocals are done last, they said they were going to focus on strong mel- vocal melodies first. Start with the words, lyrics, vocal melodies, and then work their way back and kind of paint everything else around that. Which is cool. It sounded like a great idea. They just forgot they just to never incorporate got to the instruments. any single recognizable element of Linkin Park other than Chester Bennington's voice, which is pretty hard to escape. Right. And, I mean, poor Brad Delson, the guitarist. Lead, lead guitar. <laughs> lead guitarist for Linkin Park. The dude with the, the big, giant earmuffs on, like a like a five-year-old at his first concert. <laughs> He's wearing them on stage. <laughs> I love stage. seeing those kids at shows. Yeah, good kids. But, you know, poor poor guy. I mean, is he going to just be standing on the side of the stage when Linkin Park tours this album properly? What's is it going to be just Chester Bennington on a stage with a big spotlight shining on just him while he sings the heavy song and his hands are going side to side sing along with me guys <laughs> is it gonna be like that nice brad delson <laughs> the guy is yeah. out of a job at this point <laughs> until you 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 know play some of the old stuff you know I, I wonder what he must have felt when they came to him and it's like hey we don't need you on this one guy <laughs> i have an idea of what that might have felt like i'm assuming yeah. it's the same thing mike portnoy felt when stephen wilson and michael acker felt started up that storm, storm corrosion, corrosion project <laughs> supposed to have mike portnoy involved and then they just made the decision to have almost absolutely no percussion whatsoever across the yeah, entire basically album no percussion so the yeah. same situation here i know but brad delson has been in the band for 20 years Yeah, this isn't a new project it's not a new project the guy just oh what's he gonna do live? like what's their set list gonna look like well how can you put some i don't know like well, paper cut the- up against heavy and how, how are they gonna paste the yeah, set that's- list that's weird. Are they going to put all the new stuff in the middle? I mean... And I, how are people going to react when all that new stuff comes out? You know, the Hybrid Theory fans, you know, all the fans of the early 2000s Linkin Park. When this stuff comes out, are they just going to stand there? Are they going to pull out their lighters and enjoy it? Are they going to flip the band off? Are they going to start throwing stuff? Are there any Nickelback fans here in Portugal? <laughs> the other question is, are they even going to be there? I mean, that is that is a good question. Your favorite band just went complete pop. Are you going to support that? Or are you going to stand home and say, I'm not yeah. going to put my money into this. There's a million other tours I can go see. My, my favorite band just abandoned me. They left me hanging. Yeah, I know that when a I know personally when I go see bands live, a lot of it is through the energy of the new material because I get excited about the new stuff and I want to check it out. Or it just reinvigorates my excitement about 
the band's discography in the first place. Like Mastodon just came through. They played a bunch of stuff from Emperor of Sand. I really liked that record. It was Great awesome album. to hear that stuff live. If I hated Emperor of Sand and I saw they were playing seven tracks from that, I'd probably go, eh, I don't need to pay 60 bucks for a ticket. And Linkin Park tickets, how much? 100 bucks, 120 bucks I mean, at least? You've got Linkin Park, Machine Gun Kelly, and Snoop Dogg. And Blink. Blink so I mean, Blink are just doing a couple of the uh, the off dates. Like oh the right, City field ones. Okay, Blink yeah. Park. I mean, if you're gonna get that's good a, those tickets are a to lot that, of guys to pay. I, mean, I, I can't imagine Snoop Dogg's guarantee is suddenly lower because he's on yeah. tour with Linkin Park. I mean, that is a big show-stopping, those, huge package. At the and, front, you're probably gonna pay grand. You're probably gonna pay something like a grand if you want to be right up front for that show, and that sucks. And the other issue is. You know, there's it's festival season right now in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's so many tours going on. You can only put your money in so many places. So now when you see this exorbitant ticket package, your band just abandoned you. They're playing with rap with rappers. Mm, that's a good point. There's too. a lot of other different places to spend your money. And they did one of those songs with Pusha T. So, I mean, and, and they're bringing in all these pop people, too. So it's not like. They're like, hey, we're going to be Linkin Park and just do this thing. No, they're doing the full hip-hop thing. Every song featuring this, featuring this person and this person and this Mm -hmm. person and a thousand producers. At least when the gorillas do that, it's awesome. I got nothing wrong. I got nothing against the gorillas. Nothing wrong. The main question really then is, as far as their fan base goes, is what does this mean for the future of Linkin Park? Because now you're splitting your fans into completely separate audiences I don't think this is entirely show-stopping music on the pop front. So no. how many new pop fans are going to go, holy crap, that's the greatest thing I ever heard. I'm going to go see this band. I know all their older stuff is rock. I'm going to go see them anyway. I don't think that's happening either. Well, see, we have the perspective of the rock world looking into this new Linkin Park material. And this is sort of demonstrated perfectly on uh, a Facebook post that we put up when we uh, just wrote about the new Linkin Park song, Invisible, you know, we kind of baited it a little bit saying like, hey, another new Linkin Park track, are you brave enough to listen? Because this is like the fourth pop track in a row. I was hoping that Heavy would just be the ballad or the radio rock song and not even rock, just the radio song. And then maybe we'd get some guitars later on, but no, it just kept coming, didn't it? So when we put that Facebook post up, the comments, my God, <laughs> they were they were amazing. Let let me uh let me find this thing right now. Let me scroll through this. Uh, here we go. Highest rated comment. Even if they don't want to sound like hybrid theory anymore, they could still be writing hard rock music. Now I'm not gonna pretend this is a different comment. Now I'm not gonna pretend I'm a raging Lincoln Park fan, but I wouldn't have even known this was them if you had told me hadn't told me. Sorry. Ha, 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 this band is so incredibly horrible. Why do they still have a drummer, guitarist, and bass in their band if everything is made through a stupid computer? Well, they've, they've had that stupid computer for a while. It's been dude. around for a long time. <laughs> they should change their name to the Shinoda Project or something like that. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get this straight right now. This isn't Linkin Park. This is a bunch of losers trying to cash in on a name brand. No talent, nothing good about it. Just another band trying to milk a name. Oof. See, I don't get the cashing in thing. Right. Linkin Park are doing 
Yeah, they could. Doing, they're doing aight. Yeah. <laughs> they. I mean, if they just wanted to cash in, I guess the safest thing would be just to make another rock record, yeah, right? Yeah, see, I don't see this as a cash grab. Uh, I don't. I genuinely I, think that they just wanted to go in a completely separate direction. It's like... Remember watching some kind of monster when they oh, geez, <laughs> when they were yeah. stuck? I've watched this thing like a dozen times in three yeah. months. But they were stuck on, you know, what can we do for reinvention? That's always Metallica's big thing is how can we reinvent ourselves and do something? Where's the song begin? Where's the song end? Where is, what is the song anyway? Pretty much. But I think that's the mentality that Linkin Park were trying to do is take that Metallica mindset of let's not repeat anything we've just done. What's a new area, uncharted territory that we can go into? Linkin Park are certainly in uncharted territory for rock and metal, but they're in the most dense territory there is in recorded music, which is pop. Right. Instead of going out into the middle of the ocean, which they could have done, they went into the piss-filled kiddie pool <laughs> of music. Well, I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how many people are in a piss-filled pool. I'm, but they I'm did, hoping zero. But you, do, you never know. You when never you're at know. the public pool, you know there's pee in it. People yeah, still go. I don't be- understand that. Gigi Allen, the ghost of Gigi <laughs> Allen in there. But uh, to my point about Invisible, you know, basically all the comments on our Facebook post were super negative. But then going to the actual YouTube uh, lyric video, you have 2 million views, 92,000 likes, only 8,000 dislikes. Now, this isn't Suicide Silence stuff where there are more dislikes than likes. That's when you know you really have an issue. Now, this is just kind of like, hmm, some of the fans don't like the new stuff. It's really not that weird to see. And that's for Invisible? Yeah. Go to Heavy, though, because that, right. that was a couple songs later. A lot of Linkin Park fans might have gone, I know what this is. I'm not clicking it i'm not touching this i'm not even gonna bother so then you get the fans the pop fans who are enjoying this watching it on youtube right. maybe they're the ones fair point the up or it could be dead wrong as you're about to well us. well heavy uh 29 million views crazy wow. uh four hundred and eleven thousand likes forty nine thousand dislikes so it's really a 10 percent dislike so it's really not that different from invisible actually hmm. a tiny bit worse but basically the same so i'm wondering somebody likes it yeah who are these people who are all these people (laughs) i'm not good at impressions but you get what i'm saying yeah who are these people that are loving there 92,000 people on this earth hit the thumbs up on this thing i don't which means there's a lot of people who are enjoying it who didn't even bother to hit the like button because right, usually right. you don't engage for a positive action. You typically engage when it's, I'm it's more comment, fun to go uh, negative. negative. Yeah. I'm going to thumbs down this and I'm going to show them how much I hate them. And the comments on this thing, I mean, are really mostly positive, you know, like uh, one of the top comments. I feel I feel the reason why people dislike the new album or make hateful off the cuff remarks about the new style is because it hasn't clearly been conveyed that Linkin Park isn't a rock band. Interesting. Hmm. Um, that's sort of a point, but I mean, I think that everything that Linkin Park has done has been rock music. At but, least rock rooted. Yeah, but maybe, maybe they're not, not a that rock thing band. Jay Z really. so much. No, uh, but that was still using their music and kind of yeah. mashing it up. 
but maybe they're maybe they don't care about being a rock band so much. Maybe they just made rock music, but hey, if we stop making rock music tomorrow, I'm cool with it because we mm-hmm. like this style and this, and they're a, a mashup of styles in the first place. So that's an, but that's an interesting I don't one. think it was calculated because like you said before, Chester said that everything came naturally. And yeah, we can give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit here with saying naturally, maybe he meant organically that this was just everything just seamlessly flowed out of them where they didn't have to think about it too much. Maybe that's what he meant natural and not so much the sense of this is just how we do things. This is just natural for us. Yeah. So I think there's a difference between natural and the process and natural and intent. Here's a good comment. I can't understand the hypocrisy of so many music fans. When a band uses the same sound over and over again, much yes. like Nickelback, I know where this they, is going. they get hate and become a laughing stock. But when a band tries to slowly evolve their music, well, this isn't really a slow evolution, dude, but I get what <laughs> you're saying. Like Linkin Park, people hate on them and cry for them to go back to their old sound. Good point. Fair point. But let's examine this selling out thing. Let's assume Linkin Park all got together and said, hey, boys, let's sell out and make pop music that will have mass appeal and all the kids would buy. Assuming Linkin Park no longer have mass appeal. They kind of do. They kind of don't. You know. Hard to sell out when you already have a Diamond album. Well, here's the hypothetical. Why would you sell out and appeal just to the pop fans when album sales are garbage these days. Nobody makes money off album sales anymore. This new Linkin Park album is not going to sell a million copies. I don't think their last couple their of albums... Their last one sold 255. Yeah. Living Things before that, 700,000. Thousand Sons, 900,000. Minutes to Midnight, 3.3 million. Meteora, 6.1. Hybrid theory, as we already said, over 11. Yes. This is just going by Wikipedia. So unless this becomes... Assuming that's up to date, we've proved Wikipedia to be wrong in the past. <laughs> right. So unless this becomes a pop phenomenon, which, I mean, it's doing well on YouTube, but what's this going to do when it comes to buys? Um, unless it becomes a real pop phenomenon, it's not going to sell more than a million copies. It's probably not going to break half a million. So what's the point? And selling out when you can already just cater to your fan base and, you know, do a quarter million sales like they did with their last one, I think you yeah. said. And we know now that revenue is primarily driven for bands through touring and merchandise merch. and VIP meet and greets. So Linkin Park yeah. are already a headliner. The U.S. festival circuit has completely blown up. You could make a killing in a summer just playing these festivals. Yeah, yeah. Now you're risking going on to maybe more of a mainstream type festival, but you're going to be built much lower, I'd have to imagine, yeah. if you're in the pop realm. And if you're making pop music, you're not going to be booked on those rock festivals anymore because you've killed your credibility. And I mean, radio, rock radio is not playing the new Linkin Park. And no. good for them for not doing it because it's not rock music. It's not about the quality, you know, but this doesn't belong doesn't on rock radio. It matter what name you put on the album. It matters what the music is. Yeah. And it's good that they've separated those two 
very obvious differences that shouldn't need to be stated, but sometimes still need to be. And I have no idea if this is being played on pop radio or not, or if it's getting more... Graham, you don't listen to pop radio? Nah, guy. Really? No. Neither do I. No. My my grocery store plays the classic rock station. Nice. Um, Selling out by killing your credibility doesn't make sense, Let's especially now. selling out. Okay. So... What does selling out mean to you? Because I've got a pretty good answer for this one. Um, I mean, selling out, I would say, is purposely changing your sound and direction to give yourself the most appeal possible, regardless of the quality of your music or the intent behind it. How's I that? could not agree more. All right. I mean, we've talked yeah. about this plenty of times through the years, yeah. and... When I interviewed Fat Mike from No Effects, I mean, he's regarded as a guy who has never sold out. Depends sure. Depends on what your opinion of pop punk is, but there's a lo- little They bit never of a- sold out now. No, no, no way. No, no. no way. Some people will argue that pop punk and, you know, pop can't go with punk. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting right, a little yeah, off yeah. topic there. So Fat Mike said the exact same thing because he's noted as a guy who has not sold out. And he said it's consciously altering your sound to appeal to more people and to make money without any consideration for your past. Okay, so that's, I kind of said the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's right with that definition of selling out. So, you know what? To his point, though, I don't think Linkin Park put any consideration into their past when it comes to this new stuff. I don't think they took any consideration with, hey, we did this, we shouldn't make this big change because of what we've done in the past because we have these fans already. Hmm. So I don't know if that points toward a sellout move or not, but to me, not really. But there is that slight point to what Fat Mike said um, about them really having... They're obviously not worried about their rock hmm. fans. They're They're more worried about just making the music that... I'm guessing is just the music they want to make except Brad Delson. (laughs) Actually, I just pulled up the exact quote here from Fat Mike. I would say that selling out is when you think you know what's popular and you change your band's sound to fit that. I wouldn't say it's going on a major label or something like that because just going on a major label means you want that kind of career. You want that kind of distribution. And then went on to say you don't sign with Fat Records for Gold Records. Fat Records, of course, being Fat Mike's record label. Sure. He's he's definitely right. So, you know. But then this is where it gets into murky waters because just because your music has taken a more uh, palatable sound, you're going to get the fingers pointed at you to say that you sold out. And it may be just circumstantial. Yeah, like Metallica, everybody called them sellouts when the Black Album came out. True. The difference was they just made an album, sonically, that stuff didn't exist in that space. Yeah, all these years later. They invented, you know, modern active rock. Yeah, they weren't catering to the the hair metal scene or the Guns N' Roses thing or, you know, what would become grunge or alternative rock. So, you know. It's more of an antithetical statement to metal of everything so yeah, fast, we're going to strip true. it down to its absolute bare essentials. Yeah. So we actually spoke to Seether, who come from, you know, I guess the similar place, the radio rock world. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that Seether just 
made the conscious decision to return to their earlier sound, their heavier sound. They just made the conscious decision to make a song that sounds exactly like Stink Fist by Tool. But I digress. Oh, I didn't They've been getting called out on that a lot. Uh, but all right. Well, here's either what, way, they went heavier in a time where a lot of bands are going lighter. Truth, truth. So uh, here's what Seether had to say. It's like if you want to turn your back on your entire fan base, go for it, man. But uh, mm-hmm. it's like, um, yeah, I, like I said, if, if, it, if it's going to affect my life even this much, I would give a shit. But all right. No, nah, you know what? It, it, to me, it's like you, you either <clears throat> are in it because it, it helps you get through shitty situations or, you, or you're not. And if they can switch from being what they were to something completely different, then obviously there's no integrity as far as I'm concerned. But maybe that's just where they're at right now. I mean, right. they're all rich old dudes. I mean, fuck. I mean, you can get up there and do a fart solo in the mic and people will still buy tickets to come watch them play. You know, it's like, <laughs> whatever. All right, so that's what Linkin Park's fellow musicians have to say uh, about the situation. So I know that I've been looking at Linkin Park's set list. They're, right now they're playing some shows in South America. Right. right right now they're playing four tracks off uh, One More Light. All right, so we've got the set list pulled up here. Mm-hmm. Wow, 21 songs. Talking to Myself, song three. Good Goodbye, seven. Battle Symphony, song nine. Heavy, song 19. So Yeah, it is pretty split out. So, I mean, there is some room in the set to kind of have that ebb and flow of energy. Now, the one thing that I think is going to be really challenging for them is, let's face it, they're probably not going to get an overwhelming reaction to these new songs live. How do you how do you win the crowd back over up to four separate times throughout your set? Mm. That could be tough to do. I remember when Iron Maiden played that set of just focusing on the Bruce reunion era. And on paper, I love the set list because I love all those songs. Are we talking 2010? Yes. Okay. Um, right before The Final Frontier came out. Okay, yeah, I know. I was at that show with yeah, you. Yeah, and I love all those songs. It sounded great on paper, but they're just, it didn't have that same energy I expect from an Iron Maiden show live. And I mean, all those songs are very dear to me. So, I mean, just going from a complete Iron Maiden fanboy of having a difficult time keeping up with a little bit of the pace of the set, I can't imagine what this is going to be like. Oh, this is funny. Heavy is actually next to Paper Cut. I did not know that when I said that earlier (laughs) in the podcast. I thought that those two would never appear next to each other in the set. <laughs> I guess that's how you get the energy back in the room. You play paper cut. That's actually pretty smart. They're hmm. they're sandwiching heavy between numb and paper cut. So even if you hate heavy, you've got two of the pillars right there just so to you break bring, you out of your But see, so you go with numb, and then everybody's ecstatic. If you went to paper cut, oh. they would go ballistic and then you yeah. play one more song and you're out of there. But to take that energy from Numb, take that huge iconic track and then just listen to this. the mood of the room and heavy. They're doing, in the end, faint, numb, heavy, paper cut, bleed it out. That's a serious stick in the wheel of your bicycle. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? That's flying down a hill as fast as you can, and just someone just rams a stick right into the spokes of your tires. Maybe was it Big Daddy where they were putting tree branches in front of yeah, rollerbladers downhill? That, yeah, yep, that's right. That's go. what that's what heavy could possibly so be. Heavy? <laughs> <laughs> it's because your head just hit pavement. <laughs> but man, uh, 
Yeah, yeah gravity, that's really gravity interesting. Sucks when you get a broken neck. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a song lyric. Don't give yeah. that to Chester Bennington. No, he's gonna. Where's it? We need to get obituary back in there. I can give that to them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, one other thing that everybody has been saying, as usual, what does Corey Taylor think? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, a radio DJ was smart enough to ask Corey what he thought. Corey did not disappoint. <laughs> Because, you know, actually, we should set this up with what Chester Bennington said because Corey responded to him. Chester Bennington was talking to NME. Uh, They were talking about, what do you say to people who say that you sold out? And Chester said, if you're saying we're doing what we're doing for a commercial or monetary reason, trying to make success out of some formula, we were talking about formulas earlier, then stab yourself in the face, he said, like in a laughing manner. I guess not in an angry one. Um, That's why I'm like, why are we still talking about hybrid theory? It's effing years ago. It's a great record. We love it. Like, move the F on, you know what I mean? So, a lot of fans got pissed off with that. Corey Taylor interjects. Uh, He says, I understand where he's at. I would have never said it the way he did, but you get frustrated and you want people to embrace the evolution at the same time, you should probably be very, very fortunate that people this far along the line still love the music that you made. And he goes on to say that Hybrid Theory is a great fusion rock record that has some pop elements. And he's telling Chester, be fortunate for what you have. Be fortunate for the fact that people are still coming in. To see you, to hear the music, you have to pick your spots, dude. And this is coming from the guy who's notorious for running his mouth, coming from the great big mouth of Slipknot, sir. So, can't argue with that. No. You gotta, if you're going to wean your fans onto a new sound, don't do it with a sledgehammer. You know, sledgehammer is not subtle. No, do it in a way that keeps them feeling like you appreciate them. And it's weird to expect rock and metal fans to just blindly stick with you after you deliver a straight-up pop album. That's true. I mean, I can't imagine they didn't anticipate this coming. Right. So I, they probably have, did a bit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure many conversations were had before they even went public with any of this album of what the narrative's going to be in the media, that they're going to have to deal with this backlash because there will be backlash, and what can they do to handle it? And mm. that could have just been a little bit of a crack in the armor there for Chester. Where, it could have I been. mean, it, do, it does have to beat you down just seeing these brutal comments everywhere you look and because these are the outlets that have covered you your entire career. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, everybody in that space is turning on you so it's got to be also a very weird thing to yeah try to deal with even if you're saying it in a joking manner nobody says shoot yourself in the face unless they're stab yourself in the face stab yourself in the face you just said stab oh yeah earlier. stab yourself right. sorry stab yourself in the face they don't say that unless they're a little bit irritated there's a little bit of I'm irritation say behind a lot it. of bit irritated yeah but even just even just a little bit even as you're saying if the cracks start to show, just a little bit shines through. And the there's something is, there that's annoyed. Yeah, and the problem is once that crack appears, a wedge will be driven into it, and right. that that crack's going to turn into a fault line. 
That's true. It could be disastrous. But, you know, I guess we'll have to find out because Linkin Park, again, they haven't really toured on this album properly. They're not touring on it properly right now, just playing four songs. If they start touring on it properly, doing six, seven songs a night, I guess we'll be able to see what the fan reaction is. You know, other than, you know, obviously it's hard to tell. The rock fans from the rock world don't like it. The general music fans seem to be okay with it. They seem not Mm. to care that much. They're consuming it at least. I think the last big question we have in front of us is, why didn't they just do this under a different name? Yeah, it doesn't sound like Linkin Park. It, it I mean, It's basically the Chester and Mike Shinoda show. And those two guys have such a huge name that they could carry a project just on the back of their name alone. That's Everybody very true. knows that Chester Bennington is the singer for Linkin Park. Yeah. So there's no need to, you don't need to come up with, worry about, oh, well, we have a new band name. How are we going to market this? How are people going to know it's us? You just do Bennington and Shinoda, what, anything. People will know that this is those two guys. Shennington. Shennington. Benoda. Jeez. Fire off an email. Yeah. So but I don't know. Do you think they should have done it? I guess it remains. I think once we see the turnout for the tour, what kind of yeah. tour packages and touring space they start to exist in, are they going to maintain the rock end or are they going to slowly start working in some more pop minded tours? Mm. Because, I mean, the songs are strong enough as pop songs to keep them afloat in that space because Apparently. they have the name of Lincoln Park. You don't have to build up a brand. And that's the big difference, which is also probably the reason why they didn't want to do it as a different project. They have that name established. And when you're doing something like this, you want as many people as possible to hear it. Yeah. So why put it under something else that might not reach as many people? I guess I think so. the answer is so that we don't alienate your fan base for the last two decades. Yeah. I think that maybe... If they're going to do this whole new direction thing, I I feel like it would have been smarter. Is it to a new direction? On, yeah. Or is it a one-off? It's, well, that's true. You know, that that remains to be seen. But even regardless of whether it's a new direction or a one-off, you know, obviously I can't tell them what to do, but it would have been smart just to have it under... Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda and not Linkin Park. You could even bill it as Linkin Park goes pop. I mean, that's probably not a very good name. But, you know, it's something with bringing in the Linkin Park name in there. If you bill it as an off... I think if this was going to be a one-off album, they would have announced it like, hey, guys, don't overreact. Like when Isan came out with Das Seelenbrecken. I know this is way apart from Linkin Park, Mm. the guy from Emperor, but... He was saying that before the album came out, listen, this is a totally different direction than my last couple albums have been. This is, a one, this is a one-off style where he went with a little more improvisation in the studio. It's like, so just a heads up, don't freak out. Okay. Open your mind, listen, and see how it is. And when I interviewed him, he's like, actually, a lot of people tell me that that's their favorite. That's actually mine, too. Mm-hmm. But at least you give your audience some sort of heads up as to what's going on here. Instead of kind of just dropping a pop cinder block on their head from 10 stories up. Heavy did sort of just get dropped on everyone, didn't it? Yeah, well, they released the lyrics first before they released yeah, but the song. It's well, really that different from no, normal Linkin Park lyrics? No. No, not really. 
I just thought that was a really interesting thing to do. I've never seen a band only strange. release lyrics as text. Especially when it's nothing special. It's nothing to brag about those lyrics. No. Maybe that was them prepping people somehow. Could be. They have more answers than we do. Man. All right. Well, I think we've ranted enough about Linkin Park for today. Yeah, uh, maybe in a couple months we'll do another one of these after we gauge the reaction from the album. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll do it again. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this slightly far-fetched episode of the Loudwire podcast. We will have a guest for you next time. Make sure you go to loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, hit subscribe on iTunes for this podcast. Leave us five stars and a comment if you'd be so kind. Hit subscribe on our YouTube. You can follow me, Graham, at GrahamWire on Twitter. And you could follow me, Joe, at Ice Nerve Shatter on Instagram. Not a fan of Twitter. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast of just Graham and I having a conversation about Linkin Park, this is something we'd like to do more of, of just us talking about some current things that are going on in the rock and metal world. So if you enjoyed this, please let us know in the comments because that'll let us know that you guys enjoy this type of content too, that we don't necessarily need to have a guest on the podcast and then we could do more of these. Yes, all opinions welcome. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, everyone. And don't forget, as always, play Duke. Georgie. Georgie.